0: I was like, well, I'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to tell me that I matter. I'm going to tell myself and hopefully other readers that they matter. And I'm going to write this book.
1: Welcome to Queries, Qualms and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I'm your host, author Sarah Nicholas and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Crystal Maldonado is a young adult author writing inclusive stories about fat brown girls. Her debut novel, Fat Chance, Charlie Vega, is a 2021 New England Book Award winner, while her newest, No Filter and Other Lies, explores teenage life in the social media age. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband, daughter, and dog. So please welcome Crystal to the show. Hello.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. What's your dog's name?
0: Obi as oh. in Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yes.
1: All right. We're going to talk about your publication journey today and we're going to start by going back all the way to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing and how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication?
0: So I feel like I have a bit of an oddball journey in that I didn't always kind of have my eye on the prize of becoming an author. Um, So I was interested in writing super early. Like I have vivid memories of being in the third grade and getting ready to do these practice essays for Mm. our Connecticut mastery tests (laughs) that we had to do in class. And I remember discovering that I really loved writing these essays and everyone else in my class hated it. But I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> I am here for this because they were like creative writing prompts at the time. And it was super fun for me. And so that would have been around 1998 was probably like when I discovered, okay, writing is fun. And I love, I loved books and reading, but I never really thought. Publishing was something I could do. I read a lot and I, you know encountered these characters, and I, I encountered these authors. but they were all like old white dudes, and mm-hmm. I was a young, fat Latina who just didn't feel like that was a thing that I could do with my life. So even though it was something I was very passionate about, it was not it's not like in high school, I thought I'm gonna be an author someday. I figured I'll go to college, I'll get a degree in something, and I'll write for fun, and that'll be how I sort of feel fulfilled. But then around 2016, the dreaded 2016 with like the 2016 election Mm -hmm. and all of that, um, I... Yeah, I had been dabbling in writing just for fun. In middle school, I wrote boy band fan fiction. And I always like to mention <laughs> that because fan fiction is great. Um, and I I wrote for fun. Like I would do um, and and different things like that, but nothing serious. And so then around 2016, with all these narratives, just kind of feeling like I didn't belong in this country. And like I was getting, you know... I was getting this message that as a woman I didn't belong and as a Latina I didn't belong. Um, I kept coming back to this idea of of writing a romance that like celebrated these I these identities that were very much um being questioned at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I I didn't start writing Fat Chance Charlie Vega with the thought that it would get published, but I I almost wrote it because I felt like I just needed to escape into a world that was a little lighter than the world I was living in. And I also felt like this was a nice way for me to celebrate these identities and to appreciate who I was and to just give myself a little levity during a time when I felt anything but that. (laughs) So I worked on that book and kind of escaped into Charlie's world for about two years Um, And then I had a completed manuscript by 2018 um, and was just like, well, that was fun. Um, (laughs) I guess we're done with that. And I just kind of moved on. And then that same year I turned, I had my 30th birthday. um, And so I was trying to live, I just like live fuller and try to be less afraid of everything. And as part of that, I figured okay, you wrote an entire book and you're just really not going to try anything you're like, because you're so scared of failing. So I came back to it and that's when I started kind of thinking maybe I could at least try to get it published. And I figured the worst would happen is I'd get rejected, but I would feel good about giving it a shot. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can you tell me a little bit more about the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a published author and what you thought that might look like for you?
0: Yeah, of course. So, like I said, I don't I I don't feel like I had this beautiful aha moment, mm. but I do think I had a series of moments that led to this realization that maybe being an author could be for me. So around 2015, I read the book Dumplin' by Julie Murphy, mm. and it just totally rocked my world. <laughs> um, I had never read a book that featured a fat character in YA that was so positive and and funny, and like Willow Dean was just like this character who was so badass and and like self assured, but also had these insecurities, and just felt so real to me. And she got the guy, right? like, And she didn't have to lose weight in this story. And I remember reading that and just falling absolutely head over heels in love with Julie Murphy's voice in the story and this idea that there was room for fat girl love stories. And so I think that kind of planted the seed in the back of my mind as I was reading it and thinking, God, I would love to read something like this that featured a Puerto Rican fat girl and then the more i read it the more i was like could i maybe be the one that writes something like that mm. um and so that that kind of bled into 2016 and all of these feelings of just you know not belonging and and not feeling like i had a place and i was like well i'm not going to sit around and wait for someone to tell me that i matter i'm going to tell myself and Hopefully, other readers that they matter. And I'm going to write this book, um, and so that I think was was the driving force behind it. Was like trying to use the talent that I had um, because I was feeling really hopeless around that time. I'm not
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not someone who goes out and like goes to rallies. I don't organize. I'm not very good at that kind of stuff. But I thought I am good at writing, so maybe mm-hmm. this could be one way that I sort of fight back in my own way and feel powerful and kind of use my privilege for good
1: nice so once you got serious about it how did you learn more about the publishing industry like how it works how to query everything like that
0: okay this is really embarrassing because i knew (sighs) i knew nothing like (laughs) i cannot emphasize that enough I googled a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like to tell this story of like, so once I started, um, once I came to this conclusion that I was going to try and get published, I essentially went to Google and wrote in, I wrote a book, now what? Because I (laughs) truly did not know about the next step. I didn't know anything. Like I was not immersed in the writing community. I didn't know any authors. I was desperately and deeply shy about the fact that I was a writer. And so I didn't share it with anybody really except my husband. Um, And so I didn't have writing friends. I didn't have author friends. I had no connections. (laughs) And so I was just quietly Googling, okay, so it looks like I need to find a literary agent. Okay, Google, how does one find (laughs) a literary agent? And then like Google, like working my way backwards of, figuring out what a query letter was and going through all of those steps and doing a lot of research that way because I truly had no knowledge. And I emphasize that just because I think it can be so overwhelming to think about getting into publishing. And it can feel like you need to know someone or you need to have an in or something like that. And I really did not. (laughs) And (laughs) I still managed to to sort of figure it out. And I think you can use... um, your resources, um, which is not to say it's not hard, but but you can find, you know, there are podcasts and websites and very generous, lovely people on Twitter and Instagram who are willing to, to talk to you about those things. Um, but for me, it was a lot of researching, reading blogs, going on Reddit, going in those communities to learn about the steps. And once I started researching that, I realized like, Oh, there's kind of a formula, you know, (laughs) there is a query letter and you look for literary agents who's, you know, who, who wants to represent work like yours and you query them. And then you hopefully somebody likes your work and you sign with them and then they take you on. And then, you know, you go in and you go on sub together. And so I was like, okay, I, I, I love this. I love that it's linear. <laughs> I can do linear. Like I can. don't <laughs> oh, know. <laughs> and of course, that's not at all. Yeah. It's like. but, it, but I was like steps. I love steps and I can mm. do that. <laughs> so that was kind of how I I sort of figured things out. But really, a lot of it was reading what other people did and, and reading what they did successfully. So I spent a lot of time on, um, I think the blog is called Query Shark. Mm. So reading reading actual query letters and then trying to figure out okay well what would mine look like and i didn't know about like manuscript wish lists so i just was googling like literary agents marginalized voices kind of trying to find people that way and reading about you know their bios and reading about the books they represented now if i could go back in time i would use all of these resources i didn't know about but back then i was just like I just am hoping for the best um i'll I'll see if this works, and I had told myself I will query three to five literary agents every two weeks. I just picked those numbers out of thin air, and I thought, um if I don't hear back, that's okay, and we'll just keep going until I get tired of it and I give up.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> you lucked into a pretty good strategy though I feel like. <laughs>
0: I think it worked out. Okay. And, um, I have to say that (laughs) I did sort of, so I had this list of, you know, 10 literary agents I was going to query. And I went for the first three, um, and I sent out my query letters and, you know, waited and I, I didn't even hit the two week mark before I heard back from one of them. Oh, wow. And so, And this is the one who ended up becoming my agent. So
1: that's a perfect segue. So the next question (laughs) is, then what happened? Can you break down your journey from then to signing your first book contract?
0: Yes. So once I started querying these um, literary agents, like I said, I, I tried to specifically find Agents who were interested in um, own voices stories. I I know we don't use that term anymore, but at the time it was a thing. And so that's who I was looking for. So I found some whose work um, they had represented that I, I thought, okay, well, this kind of aligns with what I'm doing. So maybe this would work. And so one of the agents I queried was uh, Tamar Rudzinski. So she is the um, she's created context literary agency, but at the time she was working elsewhere. Um, And so she was one of my first three and Mm. she was one I was really excited about and, she represented Sarah J Maas so i was like oh. oh this could be really cool and like she just seemed super authentic and the way she wrote about the young adult books that she represented really resonated with me so i hoped that she would be one who got back to me um and then she did and we had a phone call first so she called me and she said you know i think um i think this could be something and I'm really interested in talking more about it. And I was so green and and naive. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what any of this means. (laughs) I was like, so I've sent other queries out. Do I have to do anything with those? And she was so sweet and did not even like bat an eyelash and just was like, oh, okay, let me talk you through this. So without even like representing me, she was talking me through like, okay, so if you've sent out a full manuscript to anyone, you probably want to let them know that we are in talks (laughs) to do something. She was just so kind and willing to sort of hold my hand without us signing anything, without us having any promises. Um, And the way that she spoke about my book and about Charlie and the identity of, of Charlie and how she, like one of the first things she said to me was that she could tell how important Charlie's identity was to me and to the story. And that if we decided to work together, that that was one thing she was going to fight for every step of the way was um, not changing who Charlie was and not changing the heart of her story. And that was like music to my ears. (laughs) So, (laughs) and also the fact that she was willing to answer all these questions that I had because I didn't know anything was also just like icing on the cake. So she tentatively had said, um, I have some notes on the book and would you be willing to sort of go back and edit them based on um, what we talk about? And I said, of course, Uh, please tell me how you think (laughs) I can make this better. So she very generously told me, um, you know, Some story points to change and some things to sort of flesh out, and then gave me like two months or so and was like, you know, let's connect by the end of the year. So this was in fall 2018, and then she said, once you send the manuscript back, I'll take another look at it, and if if I'm feeling like this is going in the right direction, let's talk about representation and signing a contract. Hopefully, this isn't boring, and (laughs) because you said not to skip over anything. So once I so once we signed the contract, um, then that was, like, the most thrilling thing of my life. I couldn't believe <laughs> I had an agent. And um, it was truly, like, we signed right before Christmas. And she said, oh, publishers don't do anything around the holidays. So, like, we shouldn't start sending this manuscript out. We won't do that until 2019. Um, and then we had conversations just about, like, did I want to see rejections. Did I not want to see rejections? How was I feeling about that? And I was a total glutton for punishment. And I said, (laughs) show me everything. (laughs) She was like, oh, all right. Well, let's, I'll show you everything if that's what you want. So she started sending um, the manuscript out to publishers in early 2019. And then I got rejected a whole lot. I actually brought some rejections, if you're interested in, <laughs> in hearing yeah, any <laughs> um, Okay. So Random House was one of the first that got back and was very kind. And I guess I just want to mention that even though I did, these were all rejections, they were very sweet in them. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting that. So Random House said, it was a slow start for me, as a lot of information is told to the reader. And I was hoping to see it shown and understand the dynamics through these moments. Mm. It's a pass. So (laughs) Scholastic said, I didn't connect with the characters as much as I'd hoped. I'm sorry. I can't pursue this one, but I wish you all the luck in finding the right home for it. Sourcebooks said that it had a polished commercial voice and they felt like they knew Charlie intimately but it was too, a little too quiet for their list mm. and disney said almost the same thing overall the story felt too quiet for my tastes for these reasons i'm going to have to pass so lots of rejections yeah and it, i was getting similar feedback just that it not enough was happening and it was and it was a quiet book it's it's a book about a girl trying to fall in love in in high school um so i i understood that And honestly, as I got these rejections, I was just so excited that people from these big publishers were reading my book. I was like, yes, someone from Disney read my manuscript. That's so cool. (laughs) Which maybe tells you how low my expectations were. (laughs) (laughs) We got those rejections through January, February and March. And then mid-March, I heard... From Holiday House. And Tamar reached out and said, We have a deal if we would like to pursue it. And um, she talked me through everything as as she has done from the beginning. And because I, I think one of the first things was like I said was, Oh my God, I want to say yes, but is that stupid? I don't know if this is a good deal. Please <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me if this is terrible. Um, so we talked it through, and by that time I was pregnant um and I, they came and offered a two book deal when we had only sought out representation for this one book and i very uh in a in a very silly moment to tamara i was like can we just do the one book because i don't <laughs> know i don't know if i have another book and i'm going to have a baby and what if i can't do this and she very sweetly was like if this is your dream I would strongly recommend you take a night to think about it. And <laughs> call me back in the morning. <laughs> so I ultimately went with the two book deal mm-hmm. and was over the moon excited. And our original pub date for Charlie Vega was going to be in 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. All right. So
1: it's time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your successful query letter for us?
0: Yes, I would love to. All right. So I want to say before I start that I feel like I made a a big no-no and I did not include comp titles in my query letter, (laughs) Um, but it still managed to get someone to respond to me. So do with that what you will. (laughs) So here is the query letter. It isn't easy being a teenager and being a fat brown girl with glasses and more feelings than can be managed is torture. In the young adult novel Seconds, 16-year-old Charlie Vega is a passionate, though sometimes passive, feminist who finds herself yearning for the most cliche thing she can imagine. Love. A writer since the third grade, Charlie has spent most of her life bringing boy after dreamy boy to to life in her stories with such finesse that she can almost feel their fictional but soft lips on hers. In real life, though, she's never been kissed. Like, ever. And with a mother who's convinced that Charlie can't do anything right, a best friend who is just shy of perfect, and a body she's desperately trying to learn to love— Getting kissed seems like it's the last thing that'll ever happen. Seconds is a completed novel at just under 64,000 words. It provides a glimpse into the everyday struggles of a young brown girl who doesn't feel like she fits in, but finds herself hopelessly yearning for better, for more. It is my first novel. In addition, I've written several published pieces, including articles for Latina Magazine, Dogster, I really love my dog in Hartford Current, and I currently work as a writer and editor for a university. I'd be more than happy to share the manuscript in part or full upon request. Thank you so much for your time and consideration.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing.
0: Thank you. <laughs> All
1: right. So how has your experience been since signing that first contract, especially were there any surprises along the way?
0: COVID was a big surprise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did mention the book was originally supposed to come out in, in 2020. And I was really excited about that. And then, of course, the entire world shut down and changed. And quite frankly, um, I gave birth to my daughter in June 2019. And then I had a, a very generous six-month maternity leave from my employer. And so I was so preoccupied with The lack of sleep and the just the feeding the baby around the clock that my book baby kind of took a backseat. It was something I was still really excited about, but because I didn't know how publishing worked, I was kind of focused on just keeping my human baby alive. And (laughs) I was like, they'll let me know when they need stuff from me. So I, I mean, I was working on edits and working with the team and getting acclimated with them, but then. I didn't even realize, like, because this was my first novel, I didn't know enough to know that things were falling behind kind of Mm. when March was coming around and like, we were supposed, we should have been talking about marketing plans and we should have been further along in edits. But I I think we were all just struggling with what now, right. And, and, and how do we do remote work? And what does any of this look like, um, so when I, I, I think it was, I had maybe a date or a deadline that, or, or my next edit letter I was supposed to get sometime in like spring 2020. And when that didn't happen, I reached out to my agent Tamar and I was just like, I want to be super understanding of how weird this time is. I don't want to be demanding. I'm assuming this is going to change. You know, my, my pub date is going to change. I'm okay with that. Can you just like ask and like, let me know what's going on. So we checked in with holiday house and of course everybody was just like fighting for their lives in the trenches of COVID. Um, so they said, yeah, we're going to push your pub date to 2021. And I'm going to be honest and say, I was really grateful because I had a, a very difficult time, um, with the beginning of COVID and just, trying to manage full-time work and full-time childcare with my husband it was just so much. I don't think I could have done marketing a book on top of <laughs> that. So when they said we're pushing it to 2021 secretly, I was like, "Okay, thank God because I'm not ready to do the the marketing piece of it." So that was definitely one thing I wasn't expecting and it had a domino effect on when my career would get started, right? Because I and I was like, "I had this exciting news. Um, but suddenly it, like people who don't aren't in publishing, I feel like, often ask, "Oh, so so you signed a contract. So like, when can I buy your book?" And then you tell them the date and they're like, that's forever from now. <laughs> yeah. And so it became even more forever from now because I'm like, "Oh, so it was 2020, but now it's 2021 and people would just be like, what do you mean? That's so far." <laughs> but it I think it worked out for the best and um I was super happy to have it come out in 2021 because my kid was a lot older and I I got to I think enter into some of like these virtual events after kind of the the stress of them had mm. <laughs> had kind of dissipated right like we after kind of people figured, figured out.
1: them out yeah yeah
0: and they weren't as stressful and and so I was excited about them and you know of course bummed that I couldn't do an, an in-person launch event and things like that but but everything about it We were kind of feeling like we're all in this together and we're all stuck at home. So, why not come to a virtual Zoom? Right. And so, in that way, it ended up being weirdly kind of nice. (laughs) And I'm very grateful for that.
1: Yeah. All right. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA, it's just classifications that we like to put writers
0: in. Love it.
1: Are you a pantser or a plotter?
0: I'm a pantser. Totally. (laughs)
1: do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter
0: overwriter every time it's bad (laughs) it's bad
1: do you prefer to write in the morning or at night
0: I love to write in the morning Mm.
1: when starting a new project do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else first
0: can I say vibes (laughs) okay yeah perfect
1: (laughs) do you prefer coffee or tea
0: oh I love tea coffee, iced coffee specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound?
0: Definitely sound. And I lean towards music.
1: When it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person?
0: Oh, just get it down. Let's just <laughs> do this.
1: <laughs> what tools or software do you use to draft?
0: I am very simple. I end up using um, n- like pen and paper notebooks and Google Google Docs. And I know some authors are like, that's the worst thing ever. I'm so sorry to them.
1: (laughs) Do you prefer drafting or revising more?
0: I think drafting.
1: Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around?
0: I always do sequential order and I am in awe of people who can hop around.
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs) Final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert?
0: I think I'm an ambivert. I think I'm a little of both.
1: Now it's time for the second cue of the podcast. What were some of the qualms or worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out?
0: I have to say my biggest qualm was truly uh, being vulnerable and sharing that I was going for it with other people. Um, So I didn't have any writing friends. I didn't tell anybody I had finished a manuscript. I didn't even tell anybody when I got an agent. I was so quiet. I didn't do the thing where on Twitter where you're like, ah, I'm going into the query trenches. And I didn't I didn't share once I had an um, once tomorrow and I signed together. I didn't even publicly announce my book deal for like <laughs> several months after because I was so afraid of I think failure and it being taken away from me somehow. I think I was also afraid of being vulnerable and just like kind of putting my heart out there. So I I think I was just worried people would judge me too and like mm-hmm. I, something about being creative requires you to be very earnest and to really put your heart out there, right? Because this is something you've created and it's meaningful to you. And I think that's beautiful, but I was definitely afraid of anybody (laughs) seeing that part of me. (laughs) So that was my biggest fear was, was really sharing this, opening up about it, telling people about it. And obviously, you can only keep this a secret for so long. (laughs) So once I um, moved past that, and I started to openly talk about it, I realized how maybe silly those fears had been, because there were so many people who I didn't even know who were just so excited to celebrate with me. Mm -hmm. And authors on Twitter who were reaching out to congratulate me on the news and friends who didn't even know that this was a dream of mine being just completely enthralled and happy for me and wanting to celebrate. And I was, I wish I had shared sooner. Like that's my one regret with this whole, whole journey is I wish I had been open about this from the beginning because I, I think I could have come to, publishing sooner and I think I could have had friends who understood along the way like ha- the stresses and the rejections and to ha- it would have been nice to have people to talk about when you're figuring out should I query this agent or this agent or how do you write a query letter like can I, can you read mine and tell me if it's any good and I did all of that alone and yeah. writing is already so solitary that I, I regret missing out on all of that fun because it is so warm and inviting now. And I every day I feel so grateful to like be part of the author community and to get to celebrate cover reveals and new book deal announcements and like all of that stuff is so wholesome. And so I'm grateful I'm there now, but that, oh God, getting over the fear <laughs> was really hard for me. <laughs>
1: All right. And now it's time for the third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique?
0: I feel like I'm a very plain writer when I'm coming into something and I I spend a lot of time daydreaming more than I do outlining, plotting, really doing anything. So (laughs) I spend so much time thinking about the characters envisioning them in my head trying to think of what they look like and envision them in scenarios and I'm also a very like I said vibes as like the thing that comes to me first so so that is it's like a feeling I guess that I get about a story before I can really pursue it and that is so much of what drives me as a writer so for Charlie and her story it was this feeling of just like dreaminess and romance that I felt like propelled me forward and, and helped me create Charlie as this hopeful person who just longed to be kissed and have her hand held. And then when I was writing my second book, No Filter and Other Lies, I kept coming back to the this vibe of like this tough girl who does not want to be perceived and yet would give anything to be perceived. Like she doesn't want to admit that she wants anybody to see her, but she desperately wants and yearns for validation. And so that was like the vibe of Kat Sanchez. And that is what kind of propelled her story and this whole idea that she desperately wants to gain um, notoriety on Instagram, not just for her art, but for herself And so, so these like feelings, I feel like are what come to me first. Mm. And then I'm able to write. And I feel like that's backwards. And usually people have a, an actual plot or (laughs) something (laughs) to to go on. Um, And mine is just like, like, so for my third book that I'm working on now, it's another young adult story. And it's sort of, it's about this girl who she's entering her senior year and she dreams of revamping their homecoming and she wants it to be autumn themed and it was it came to me as an idea when I was sipping a pumpkin spiced iced coffee from Dunkin Donuts in the car while it was raining and I was just thinking like man, I love fall. (laughs) I should do something with that. (laughs) And so like, that was what propelled me for that story. I had nothing else. I just had a pumpkin, a pumpkin spiced coffee. And that was it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When you are in the lowest part of your journey, whatever that may have been for you, what kept you going? And why did you stick to it?
0: That's a really good question. (laughs) I think the lowest part of my journey was probably that early covid time where everything felt so confusing i think i was questioning if i had taken on too much and mm. as someone who was working full time and parenting full time i was thinking god why did you go sign up for another full time thing you know <laughs> don't you have enough full time yeah. stuff going on so the thing that kept me going was um i think the idea that I could possibly reach readers who really needed to read these stories and who really needed and deserved the representation that they would get through my stories. I kept thinking about young me and how it would have been so meaningful for me as a teenager to see a book I read a book, see the cover of a book that featured a fat girl who just looked kind of happy and serene. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be somebody who could use my abilities for good in that way. And so I, that was what I think kept me going was this idea like, maybe I can reach just one person who really, Mm. really needs it. um, And that, that would be enough for me.
1: Awesome. You already shared a couple of them, so in case you have another (laughs) you'd like to share, what do you feel like are some of the biggest mistakes that you made along the way that you might like to share with listeners so maybe they don't make the same one?
0: (laughs) Yes, I I like to be forthcoming with all these errors I've made so that other people can learn (laughs) from them. (laughs) Um, But so in addition to the things I've already said, I think one of my big mistakes was also not immersing myself a little bit more in publishing. So I think there's a balance to you don't want to be someone who only lives, breathes and sleeps publishing because mm-hmm. then I think the stakes are too high and it's really stressful and everything feels so heavy all the time. If that's all all you do, it's good to have a variety of interests and to be able to kind of step away for your own sanity or at least for me, that's, <laughs> that's what I need to do. But I also, I feel like I was the total opposite where I was not involved at all, and mm-hmm. so I missed out on opportunities for community, and I also missed out on some really cool, fun things, just like podcasts. Like I came to um, the Deadline City podcast by Zoraida Cordova mm-hmm. and um, Danielle Clayton super late in the game, and then once I discovered it, I was like, "Wow, this would have helped if I had <laughs> even just googled publishing podcasts." And even finding podcasts like this, and there's so there are so many resources out there that I didn't even try to look for. Mm. Um, and so I think finding finding the things that resonate with you as a learner and and relying on those to help you kind of immerse yourself into this publishing industry that does feel really big and does feel really scary when you're first getting started, I think that can really help you. Um, even to just kind of talk the talk a little bit, and it, and it, if nothing else, it adds confidence to you, right? Like you know some of these terms now, and so you can, you feel like okay, I can hold the conversation. This doesn't have to be so scary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing I sort of wished. Um, I wished I had done. And take it from me, like do your research and and get <laughs> in there and don't be shy. <laughs>
1: Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication?
0: Shoot your shot. So I talked a lot about how I was shy. I didn't want to share anything. I was introverted. I was scared. But once I started kind of peeling away at that fear and just going for it, I realized I got so much back Mm. in ways that I never could have anticipated before. Um, So one example is I am a huge, huge fan of the author Roxanne Gay, like obsessed with her. And early on, I was like, what if I just like tried to email her and was like, do you want a copy of my book? What's the worst that happens? So I emailed her, um, I wrote. A succinct message. I tried not to fangirl too much. I said, I wrote this book. I think you, it aligns with the types of things you're writing about. Let me know if you're interested in receiving it. And she wrote me back and said she couldn't blurb it, but she would be delighted to get a copy mm. and gave me her address. And then I freaked out and <laughs> obviously like screamed my head off, told my husband, couldn't believe it, sent it off to her. Um, and then she posted about it on her stories and yeah, like didn't have to, she truly didn't have to. And I like lost my mind, screenshotted (laughs) it, sent it to everyone. I knew I was like, look, I'm on Roxanne Gay stories. So just, just shoot your shot. It is scary and it's hard, especially if you're someone who's not used to asking for things or, or putting yourself out there. Um, but All authors have to do it. And I think authors are a particularly understanding breed. At least this has been my experience. And Mm -hmm. and so even if you reach out to someone and you're asking for advice or a blurb or whatever, an an interview, an in-conversation partner, all things you'll have to think about at some point. Um, It doesn't hurt to ask. The worst they'll say is that they're busy. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I'll have to pass. I have never had anybody say, how dare you think (laughs) that you can email me, which has always been my fear. (laughs) So just do your thing and, and don't be shy.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Speaking of perfect segue, I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how?
0: I have to give a huge shout out to my husband um, who... I forced to read early iterations of my books and who I will talk his ear off when I'm like, okay, so I have an idea. So here's how the book starts. So he's endlessly supportive. And especially after um, we had Maya, our daughter, he has always been great about, you know, let me get her out of the house. So you can have an hour or two uninterrupted to write, and checking in with me on those things and and really making room for this passion. And so that – I don't know what I would do if I didn't have him because I, I would just never write probably because I wouldn't have time and I, I wouldn't know how. Um, so shout out to my husband. Shout out to daycare and <laughs> how wonderful it is because, again, kids are – amazing and they also take up so much brain space and so much time and so um, it's important I feel like to give <laughs> to give recognition to like the things that allow you to be able to, mm. to do your work. I also found great community in this um, Latinx uh, kidlet writer community called Las Musas. It is a collective and It is all um, Latinx authors who are feminine presenting. It has given me some of the best, like, author friendships that I could have ever asked for. These people have become, like, actual friends, and, like, we text each other all the time, and they are the kind of people who you don't have to explain all the stuff at the beginning where you're like, okay, so in publishing, blah, 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 blah. They just get it, and you you can, you know vent about things or celebrate things or just I was just texting with one of my friends about she got a famous person to follow her on Instagram and so we were just "Ah, oh my god and so it's nice to have those people in your corner who you who just kind of get it and um like I said they don't need an explanation and they just get you and understand you and then shout out to debut groups right like they're, they can be super valuable, and so mine was called The 20 Wonders, and I met so many of them um, through our Slack channel, and actually, my publisher partnered me with someone who had the same pub date as uh, Fat Tan's Charlie Vega. And before then, I didn't know that pub groups and, and debut groups existed. And so she was like, "Oh, you're." We we got on a phone call together, and she's like, "You're part of this Slack group, right?" And I was like, "What Slack group? Tell me everything." And that is what opened up this world of of publishing to me. And I suddenly realized, okay, it's not paying off to be so shy and so closed off. I I need to be open and willing to like meet other people and to talk about this amazing thing that I'm getting to do. So those are my people.
1: (laughs) Awesome. All right. Before you go, can you tell us about your latest book?
0: Yes, I would love to. So No Filter and Other Lies came out in February 2022, almost a year um, after Fat Chance Charlie Vega. So this book tells the story of 17-year-old Kat Sanchez She is fat. She's Puerto Rican. She's a photographer and she desperately wants to be appreciated, not just for her art, but for who she is. Um, Unfortunately, she has next to zero followers on Instagram. (laughs) She's got this rowdy but lovable group of friends who all have more followers than she does. They don't understand her obsession with Instagram, they are constantly competing. She's got this dysfunctional family, so she's currently living and being raised by her maternal grandparents, but her biological parents live right down the street from her and her little brother lives there too. And so she sees them as this like ultimate family unit that she never gets to be a part of. And so all of these things kind of converge and have her feeling just like she she can't live up to who she thinks she should be. So there's this like idea of who she is and then the reality of who she is. And she feels like she just feels like she doesn't know where to go next. And and she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And so all of these things kind of compound together to the point where she gets tired of being Cat Sanchez. So after a really tough day and a little bit of booze. She steals (laughs) one of her friends' pictures that she has taken. She makes a whole new identity on Instagram, and she becomes the perfect Instagram influencer named Max Monroe and starts to live this, quote-unquote, perfect life on Instagram that she's always yearned for. And so we as readers get to see as she gains that notoriety on Instagram that she's always craved, while (laughs) her real life is falling apart and it is it takes a turn especially when she meets um she meets a follower as this fake account and she starts to have feelings for this girl and now she's grappling with her bisexuality and how can she actually have this relationship when it all started with a lie Mm -hmm. so lots of drama lots of um feelings and lots of dogs. So if you like dogs, she works at a dog shelter. So (laughs) so if you like dogs, this is the one for you.
1: I feel like you should have led with that.
0: (laughs) I should (laughs) have. This is my book about dogs. (laughs) The end. (laughs)
1: All right, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with everyone.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun, Sarah.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Crystal's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, Please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.